0: Turn, if you would, to the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. We continue to wake, work our way through the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the longest recorded sermon we have straight from Jesus. Verse 1 Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they have persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the blessed are... Happy are, fulfilled are, those who have certain characteristics. We began with, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who acknowledge the fact that they, in and of themselves, have no ability to earn their way into heaven. Once you realize that you cannot do it, that God has to do it, the gates of heaven open to you. But from there, you have to acknowledge the fact that what? You're mourning because of the sin that's in your life. You know that your sin has separated you from God. But God comforts you by providing forgiveness for your sin. And not only mourning over sin, it's just mourning in general because of the world that we live in, the fallen nature of this world. And God gives us comfort. And then we moved on to blessed are the meek. The meek are the humble, the gentle... And we had a long discussion about the fact that in the English language, the word meek has all kinds of bad connotations because, unfortunately, it's real close to another English word, which is weak. And meekness is not being weak. We saw that as we looked at the life of Moses and we looked at the life of Christ, both of whom were described as being very meek. So from meekness and from acknowledging the fact that we're empty, that we are poor in spirit, we need to be filled with something. And last week we discussed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. It is a desire for righteousness that is as strong as a starving person. The intensity is as strong as a starving person would have for food or water. And we are told that if you strive for righteousness you will be filled with righteousness. Now, we discussed last week that, you know, we need to study the scripture in order to learn what righteousness is because righteousness is, well, the character of Christ, God's standard for how we ought to live our life. But you could run into a difficulty if you began to believe that being righteous was just sitting in your room, studying your scripture and making yourself, you know, great and wonderful hidden away from the world. But the reality is, is that righteousness needs to move from the meditation on the scripture into your everyday life, which brings us to today's beatitude. Because as I enter the public world, as I start interacting with other people, what is the characteristic that I need in order to do that effectively? You know, you read self-help books, you've got to be strong, you've got to be tough, you've got to be assertive, you've got to do all these things. But that's not where the Beatitude goes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Why is that so critical at this point in the Beatitudes? I've been hungering and thirsting after righteousness. I am receiving righteousness from Christ. And I move into the world of well, people. <laughs> you. And the first thing I'm told that I need is blessed are the merciful. So, first question, easy question. What is mercy? Come on. Compassion for your fellow, for your fellow man. Very good. Somebody else? Patience? Patience. <laughs> uh. I don't want any of that. Oh, humility, humility forgiveness, empathy, empathy kindness, not getting, what you not getting what you deserve. Hmm. You receive mercy, giving to someone what they need, giving to someone what they need that they don't deserve. That they don't deserve. <laughs> Ooh, that's the hard part. My first thinking about mercy is in relationship to, well, justice. Okay? You've done me wrong. And my inner being rises up in anger and wants to exact revenge. I want to get back at you. But I don't do that. Instead, I show you mercy instead of demanding justice now let's throw a little caveat in here before we get too much down the road romans chapter 12 tells us that the government the state holds the sword to protect and promote justice we are not talking here about civil law okay We're not going to talk about that. It's a great subject. We actually dealt with it last year when we worked through the book of Romans, year before last, when we worked through the book of Romans. We're not talking about if somebody murders someone, should they be sentenced or should you just say, eh, go ahead, mercy. We're not talking about the civil sphere here. We're talking about you. We're talking about you and your everyday interactions with other people. Both those people who do you wrong, those people who you come in contact with, who are poor and need something, and we show compassion on them. So it's a whole different lesson about the job of the state. That's not today's lesson. What generally ticks us off is not the fact that somebody breaks into our house and steals our stuff. I mean, that does bother us. But what really ticks us off is that somebody mistreated us. Somebody didn't treat us the way we thought we ought to be treated. Somebody cut in front of us in traffic. Somebody did us wrong, and we're mad at them. And we want to get revenge. And we are told, blessed are The merciful. Blessed are those who show mercy to those around them. I mean, sometimes I get the feeling that I'm a balloon walking through a world of porcupines. (laughs) And at any given moment, one of you are going to pop my balloon. And that's how we feel. You know people like that. Let's talk about those people, okay? (laughs) Not us, right? Those people who walk around with a chip on their shoulder daring somebody to knock it off. Well, maybe we should talk about us. The people we come in contact with every day. The ones that we play games with. The ones that we eat meals with. The ones that we live with. No, this is not a lesson on marriage mentoring, okay? But it could be. The number one criteria that Jesus says is blessed are those that are merciful. We are to show mercy to those around us. So when someone does me wrong and I have this great desire within me to lash back or at least hope that something bad happens to them in return, I am not imitating Christ. When I hear that something bad has happened to somebody that I didn't really like anyway and this little gleeful thought pops into my head, I am not imitating Imitating Christ or God. So, what prevents us from being merciful to those around us? Come on, this is easy. Selfishness, selfishness, arrogance, arrogance, pride. It's interesting that pride has come up as one of the problems with all of the Beatitudes. So, that's probably a true statement. Huh? (laughs) Yes. We are concerned. We really are. Concerned that the moral fabric of the universe will fall apart if I let you get away with it. You've done something wrong to me. And, you know, it's just a slippery slope. If I let you get away with that, what are you going to try to do tomorrow to me? So I've got to make sure. But that's just pride. The odds are the only thing the other person did was harm our pride to begin with. That's what most of our everyday interactions that cause us difficulty Someone didn't defer to me when I thought they ought to. Someone didn't give me the respect that I thought I deserved. They didn't let me have what I thought I had a right to. Let's back up a little bit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Who are the poor in spirit? Those who acknowledge that they cannot do it on their own. Blessed are they that mourn. Who are those that mourn? Those that acknowledge that more often than not, they're the porcupine. That are they're going through life causing difficulties. Blessed are the meek. Who are the meek? The humble and the gentle. Humility being the opposite of pride. Humility does not demand its own place in the pecking order. But wait a minute. If I let them get away with it. So what? So... What? We have a problem realizing pride pride is our enemy, is her comment. What do you mean by that? It destroys destroys our lives. You can read the scripture and get stacks of verses dealing with the problem with pride. Back to Satan himself who wanted to be like god and rebelled against god because of pride he was not going to be number 2 we rationalize that pride is in everybody else huh? oh yeah her observation is we discuss the fact that pride is in everybody else but not us <laughs> is pride the source of all sin probably her comment is is pride the source of all sin and the answer is probably at least it's in the top three. We'll go with that. How about that? God has created a universe that choices do make a difference. I can choose to do what is right. I can choose to do what is wrong. I can do what is grossly wrong or somewhat wrong. Or What if, what if, God zapped you the first time you did something wrong? We'd have a much smaller class. <laughs> there would be no teacher here. Why, why does God not zap us the moment that we do something That clearly violates his will. Mercy. God is a God of mercy. Now, if you read the scriptures, there's going to come a time of judgment. And what God is doing is he's allowing us to have time to accept Christ and be saved or allowing us to dig ourselves deeper and deeper in the hole so it becomes quite obvious where we should be headed. So if God can show mercy to us, how much more should we show mercy to those around us? Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to cheat, and we're going to do one of next year's lessons. But by next year, you'll have forgotten it, so I can do it again, thus saving time in my preparation. (laughs) Verse 21 of chapter 18. Then Peter came up and said to him, Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Okay, here's the question. Somebody did me wrong and I forgave them. Aren't I good? <laughs> then they did it again. It's much harder to forgive them the second time. But I do. And then they sin against me again. And Peter comes to Jesus and says, How many times do I need to forgive them? Seven times. Seven, the number of perfection, big number. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't I be cool if I could forgive somebody seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Hmm. 77 times. Seven. The seven. Most of us can't count that high in real life. What does that mean? It means we don't count the number of times. How often are we told to forgive? Continually. But what if they do it to me again? They will. That doesn't make any sense. I don't want them to do it to me again. I don't want them to abuse me, shatter my pride, put me in my place. I don't want them to do that. I'm not going to forgive them. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Wait. Huh, yeah. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Let's just stop right here. 10,000 10,000 talents is a boatload of money, okay? We're talking Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, multiplied. This is big dollars. You know, we fill this room with gold. We're talking that type of money. The servant owed the master 10,000 talents. We are not told why he owed it to him. He had borrowed it from him. He had invested it poorly. I don't know. But the servant owed the master 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Now, that probably would not have recouped the money, but it would certainly have impressed the neighbors that you don't want to owe money to the master. You know? Debtor's prison has a long history. It basically means this. You owe me money, and I throw you in prison if you can't pay me. Well, what good does that do? Well, it certainly motivates your family to go find some money. The problem with this situation is there's no way in the world for somebody to drum up 10,000 talents. We're not talking loose change in the sofa. We're talking a boatload of money. That he couldn't pay. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. That's his argument. Let me just throw in right here he's lying, but he's trying. I mean, he's, it's an act of desperation. There's no way he can pay back this money. There is no way on the, in the world that he can pay back this amount of money. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. He's begging, the wife is begging, the children are begging, and the master has pity and says, Okay, never mind, I forgive the debt. Now think about that. We're not talking of, you know, I've got a thousand dollars, you owe me a dollar. And I forgive you that debt. Well, you know, I didn't need the money anyway, right? I've got $1,000. You've got a dollar that you owe me. I mean, how rich do you have to be that you can forgive a debt of 10,000 talents? You've got to be loaded. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt But when that same servant went out, he found one of the fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii was basically a day's wage in a day that you didn't make very much money. You know, we'll have a discussion about this when we talk about the people who worked all day and got a denarii. That's what they earned for the day. A general low-level worker. Not that much money. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he probably could. Given enough time, he probably could have recouped the money. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Here comes the next verse. You ready for this? You're not ready for this. (laughs) So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The picture's easy. One servant owed the master a sum of money ...that he could never repay... ...and the master forgave him. That servant left... ...and went and found a fellow servant... ...who owed him a few bucks. And he choked him... ...threatened him... ...and eventually sent him to prison... ...because he didn't pay him the few bucks. And the master heard about this... ...and it says he was angry... And he brought that servant back and he stood him before him and he said, I forgave you. Why couldn't you forgive when the guy owed you a few bucks? I'm going to send you to prison. I'm going to send you to prison until you repay the unrepayable amount of money. What is the point of this? You know the point. You just don't believe the point. We, forget you, forget them, me, have sinned against God continually. The creator of the universe, the sovereign Lord of all that exists, and I have looked him in the eye and said, no. Not once, not twice, repeatedly over the course of my life. I've looked at him and I've said, no, I am not going to do what you require of me. I have accumulated a debt of guilt before the master that I cannot possibly pay. And one day, when I'm checking the accounts, I realize I cannot possibly do it there is no amount of working that I will ever do to repay that debt I am not going to live long enough and the truth is tomorrow I'll probably add something else to that debt blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are those who know they cannot pay the debt so we plead with God For forgiveness. God forgive me. A sinner. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The doors open. We are given forgiveness. Do we really believe that? Because then we leave there. And we run into. That crazy guy we work with who just insults us just for the fun of it. People do that, you know. I'm sure I've told you. I had a two-hour meeting behind locked doors one time with a project manager from New Jersey. And I assured him that in the South, we do not insult people just for the fun of it. You may do that in New Jersey. We don't do that in the South. And that person offends us in some way they treat us wrong and we go back into our closet and we think gosh i wish i could get him i wish i could punch his lights out i hope something bad i hope he gets fired i am never going to forgive him because he insulted me in public and the master the sovereign of the universe looks at us and says what What did I just forgive you from? How much mercy did I just show you and you turn around and this guy insults you and you want revenge. You want a pound of his flesh. We believe. We do. We don't claim we believe this, but we really do. But God's really pretty lucky to have us on his side. <laughs> you know, some of you were probably really bad people when you became a believer. But, you know, I went to church every day, literally from the day I was born. What can I say? Sang in the children's choir, went to the nursery, did good things, loved my mother, loved my father. I don't know about you, but I was a pretty good kid, right? Right? And we begin to think that it really didn't take that much grace for God to forgive us. (laughs) Maybe you, but not me. God should just be pleased to let me in. But you know that guy over there, he insulted me. And that's the way we think. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who acknowledge they can't do it. Blessed are those that mourn, those that recognize the depth of their sin. I don't care if you grew up in a physical church. You are a sinner in need of the mercy of God. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin. Blessed are those who are humble because they acknowledge that any Grace they have, they've received, because it's grace. Not because they earned it. You do not earn grace, ever. It makes them meek and gentle. And because of that, they want to do what is right. They want to, they desire strongly, they hunger and thirst after righteousness, and they go, Oh God, show me how to do this. And the first thing that God does is He sends you that coworker again. <laughs> Maybe it's not a co worker. Maybe it's a child, a grandchild. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a spouse, but we won't go there. (laughs) And they just irritate us. And we want our pound of flesh. And here comes the really hard part. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Question. If I am not merciful will I not receive mercy? Well, if you look at this parable that we just talked about, that's what you begin to believe. But the thing we need to learn about the parable is who came first. And that's what makes all the difference. We in this class have talked repeatedly. We, in the sermon series that we're working on, have been talking about the Reformation. And we acknowledge the fact that salvation is a gift that God bestows upon us. The unbeliever, the unregenerated person, can sit here and to the best of their honest ability try as hard as they can to be merciful to those around them, and they may do mm, sort of a good job. Maybe. I'll give them a little credit, okay? But it won't save them. Why? Remember that discussion about the huge debt of sin? That's not going away. Mercy begins with the mercy that God Has shown to us. The master forgives the servant. The 10,000 talents. That's the beginning. The mercy of the servant. To the fellow servant. Is an indicator. Of whether the first servant. Truly understands what the master has done. For them. He is not. Forgiving so that he may receive forgiveness. He is forgiving because he has already received forgiveness. So I'll just quote the passage again. This is what's going to happen to you. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The indication is that if we refuse to give mercy to those around us, it is an indicator that we do not acknowledge the mercy that God has given us. It's a sham. It's a con. It's fake. We still believe, "Ah, I'm a pretty good guy. Not like that person over there. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I see this in two different ways. Number one, mercy from God. Hmm. This is a difficult passage because we begin to think that somehow I'm doing it and earning mercy. You don't earn mercy, you don't ever earn mercy. You receive mercy from God. But the implication is that if we fail to show mercy to those around us, it is an indicator that our heart has not been transformed by the mercy of God. And we should not expect to receive mercy from God. The second point, though, is mercy from other people. And this is an interesting point. If I'm merciful to those around me, our fear is that people will then begin to take advantage of us. You know, it's like being meek. Nobody wants to be meek because we're worried that somebody's going to take advantage of us. To which my response is probably. Some will. But some will see that mercy and go, wow, where does that come from? Here is our dilemma. Just nice general dilemma. I'm scared that if I act too much like Christ, people will abuse me. Let me give you a hint, okay? What is the last of the Beatitudes? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Let me give you the hint. You're going to be abused. Just get used to it. Once you acknowledge that fact, then what can they do to you that's not expected? But we don't want that. We really don't want that. If I show mercy to someone, they may do the same thing back to me again. And the answer is they might question. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you have been forgiven by God and sinned again? You know, do you think God sits there and goes, gosh, I forgave him, and look what he did. He was mean again. But God in his grace works on us and works on us and works on us. And some of us are pretty stubborn. Okay. Most of us are pretty stubborn and we take a lot of work, but God in his mercy and in his grace disciplines us to become conformed to the image of Christ. Why? Mercy. How are we, how are we to interact with those around us with mercy? With the same mercy that we have received. Now, let's break out a little bit more what that means. If I'm showing you mercy. What it means and what it doesn't mean. When I am raising children... And I've raised a few of them. And as I've said before, I am never going to teach about parenting because I don't have a clue about any of it. But when you're raising children and they misbehave, what is the merciful response to discipline them Or to just say, well, it doesn't matter. Go do whatever you want to do. Discipline is the mercy. Because that is what they need. Go through the scripture. Find all the scripture about a child who has no discipline is going to be in trouble later in their life. Now, some get in trouble on their own anyway, but that's a whole different story. Mercy does not mean that I don't do nothing. There's kind of to too many no's in this quest- sentence. It means I do what needs to be done. The primary example of that is the presenting of the gospel to other people. Mercy is showing compassion and helping people, giving people what they need. You have a friend. Who is an unbeliever. You know they're an unbeliever. They make no pretense of being a believer. What is the mercy that you can bestow upon them? Don't talk about the gospel because it might offend them. That seems to be a path that we take all the time. I don't want to upset them. So we don't talk about it. Is that really merciful? Mercy is giving them what they need may not be what they want but it is certainly what they need now blessed are the poor in the spirit blessed are those that mourn blessed are the meek all of that comes into account as we're presenting the gospel to them we do it gently we do it with humility we don't do it out of pride but we present the gospel Because that is the merciful thing to do. We're going to talk about this more in a couple of weeks when we talk about, blessed are the peacemakers. Peace being reconciliation. As we try to reconcile ourselves with God and God with other people. That is an act of mercy. Mercy is not being passive. Mercy is doing what needs to be done. Those who need the gospel. Let's just talk about those who are truly in need. Those who are poor. What does James tell us? The person comes to you. I need food. And you say, well, I'll pray for you. And you send them on their way. Okay. And James says, you have no faith. <coughs> Choke gag. You still ought to pray for them while you're buying the bag of groceries for them. If you have the means, you are to help those who are in need. Now, we're not talking about being stupid. Once again, if I'm giving cash to someone on the street, I have no idea where that cash is going. But if they're truly hungry, we are to help them. You may find this hard to believe, but we have people in this church. We are a very affluent church. But we have people in this church who have needs. And when you hear about one of them, you're supposed to help do something about that. But I don't have a lot. That may be true. Go find somebody who does and encourage them. God has created the community of believers, the church, to help meet each other's needs. Those needs can be physical, I need food. Those needs are spiritual, they can be relational, they can be fill in the blank with whatever need you can think of. Mercy says, I look at you and I help meet your need. Have any of you ever watched the TV show, called the Midwife? It's an interesting show. It's about midwives in England in the late 50s. And the nun, the head nun who runs the thing, is always telling them, we are not here to judge the situation that got them in trouble. We're here to take care of the baby and the mother. Because, I mean, they're dealing in the slums and they're dealing with some bad situations. We're here to help the baby and the mother. That's what we're here to do. Sometimes in your life, you need to get to the point where you're helping the people who are in need. But they'll abuse it. They might. We need to be smart. We need to be wise. The scripture clearly tells us. We need to discipline those who need to be disciplined. We need to instruct those who need to be instructed. We need to share the gospel with those who need the gospel. And we give food to those who need food. All of that is mercy. All of it is mercy, and all of it is done because God first showed mercy to us. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I think the same thing. There's all these what-ifs, okay? What if I have an abusive spouse, and am I supposed to show mercy every time... Just because you show mercy doesn't mean you have to stick around and be a punching bag. Okay? It's an odd thing. But putting the person in the position where they sin more is not showing them mercy. Leave. Go away. I've got a friend who every time we're together just really ticks me off, and I've forgiven them before. Well, don't hang around that friend. I remember at a funeral of a member of this class, and a lady walked up to me and said at the funeral, I talked with her one time, and I told her I can either be your friend or I can play bridge with you, but I can't do both. (laughs) Most of you know who I'm talking about. And they were good friends. Mercy does not mean. I put up with everything. It means I do what is best. For the other person. If there is a. True crime committed. Sending them to prison. May be the merciful thing to do. It might be. Sometimes. We just don't know. Sometimes we just have to be led by the Holy Spirit to tell us right now, what do I do? I remember a gentleman in his church talking one time about his son coming home one night drunk, throwing up all over the car, and he said, the Holy Spirit told me just clean him up, send him to bed, and don't talk to him. And the next morning, the son was a changed man. Now, is there a time to talk? Yes. Is there a time to refrain from talking? Yes. This begins to sound like the book of Ecclesiastes. How do we know which is which? We acknowledge our need, and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us. But we are not driven by fear, that they might abuse our mercy because they will. Maybe not that person, maybe not on that occasion, but sometimes somebody will. And we just have to acknowledge that. But what we need to do is take our focus off of what this person has done to me and put our focus on what God has done for me. God showed me more mercy than I will ever in my entire life be required to show to other people. And I do believe that as we show mercy to others, others will show mercy to us. That is the way the world is constructed, okay? You snap at me a little bit and I snap back at you harder, and you snap back at me harder, and I snap back at you harder, and pretty soon, fists are flying. But if you snap at me a little bit, and I respond with meekness, gentleness, kindness, guess what? The whole situation is diffused. A gentle anger answer turns away wrath. So, what do we do? Today, forget tomorrow. Let's just talk about today. Today, you're going to have interactions with dozens, if not a hundred people. Every one of those people needs mercy. Every one of those people has some need, and God has provided you with some resource to help that person in their need. Biblically, we're supposed to go looking for those people. God will drop them in your lap sometimes. But biblically, we're supposed to go looking for ways to help other people, to show them mercy. Blessed are the pure, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. We have received more mercy from God than we will ever repay, and we stand in need of mercy every day from God and from others. Let's be one of the others to show mercy to those around us. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the mercy that you have shown us. I pray, Lord, that we too would show mercy today to those around us and help them draw closer to you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.